Welcome to Nothing Ventured, a podcast exploring some of the lesser heard stories in tech and venture. Join me, Aris Shah, as I speak to founders, investors, and ecosystem operators in the UK and beyond. Hello and welcome to another episode of Nothing Ventured with me, Aris Shah. Today, I am really pleased to have Jenny Irvine with me. Jenny has had an eclectic career, having worked in business development and marketing in both the public as well as the private sector in Northern Ireland. Jenny founded a marketing agency providing services to early stage businesses. And in 2018, she co-founded Raise Ventures, a Belfast-based accelerator assisting businesses through innovation, validation and acceleration to raise investment. Welcome to the podcast, Jenny. Thanks very much, Aris. Lovely to be on the podcast and be part of the conversation. We're excited to kind of showcase the work that we're doing here in Belfast, Northern Ireland, helping startups not just here, but across Ireland and into the UK. So look forward to the chat. Amazing. So you had a pretty varied start to your career, at one point even working with a borough council. When did you start really working with startups and what was it that got you hooked? Yeah, my background and passion has always been marketing and the creativity piece of telling the story. So my journey of career is marketing for several companies, including kind of tourism and hospitality companies, which took me to the, the local council and helping them set up their, their marketing for their gym and fitness facilities. Um, but always interested in the journey of the story of how do you get people to come and use a gym? How do you get people to come and use activity holidays and um, the marketing piece and working then with startups through kind of mentoring and an advisory capacity and my own marketing agency building those marketing plans and um, really saw the need to help those early stage founders because they have a real passion and have a real story but they're just not quite sure how to create that and showcase that and put their best foot forward so that's really got what got me hooked is working with startups and helping them create that story and talk about it and showcase the the great expertise, the great journey that they're on and helping them kind of evolve and and showing how that can be a real success. So I've really enjoyed that throughout my career and through Raise now there's some some great new stories coming through. Yeah, I think people are starting to realise how important the story is, the narrative is within startups. You know, one of the big issues that used to be faced was this mentality of build it and they will come. So, you know, have product focused founders who will build a product and just assume people will come. But you need the sales, you need the narrative, you need the marketing to go aside that. And equally, you need the sales and narrative when you're going out to raise capital as well. So as we get to a place where software development is becoming easier and the barriers are, are being reduced, I think, you know, having that narrative and ability to understand how to sell both your product, but not just your product, but yourself as a founder is incredibly valuable. So just talking about Northern Ireland in in this case, what is unique about the early stage ecosystem out there and what are the opportunities? Yeah, I think we come from quite a challenging background, obviously, in Northern Ireland of not, you know, not that long ago, coming out of essentially what was a, you know, a difficult time in terms of moving towards the peace agreement in the late 90s. Um, and I think that's created an opportunity whereby there has been a fair bit of government intervention to create a, a business ecosystem here to attract businesses to relocate and even to start here as native businesses because obviously it was not such an attractive destination maybe 30 years ago. Um, and 
that combined with the entrepreneurialism of the people that live here, they're very um, resilient, they're very ideas focused, they're very creative, they're very innovative, and that naturally has created some fantastic native businesses um, and also attracted talent to want to come and work here. So the early stage ecosystem, when we go out and, and talk to startups, they um, traditionally have been in industry, they've seen a problem and they, they just want to get on and solve it and they'll start creating something, whether that be you know, a traditional product or that'll be a tech product or that'll be a service and they'll just start running with it and then they start to hit the brick walls where they start to need a bit of help and they're like well how do we maybe look for finance or how do we market this or sales this so they can get up and running fairly quickly and fairly easily but it's that kind of support as they grow and the opportunities I guess in the ecosystem is that we're quite a small place and quite often you're not too far away from somebody who can help you and that kind of giving it back paying it forward mentality is really vibrant here you know we have ecosystem where people can step forward and you can ask for help and people will signpost you to somebody who can help you or or sit down and give you half an hour of their time or an hour of their time over a coffee so I think that combined with kind of the resilience and innovation creates a really interesting ecosystem here that's one one definitely to watch absolutely but no doubt there are challenges as well so as an example I mean, there was a 50% increase in VC funding into Northern Ireland in 2020 over 2019, but still relatively low at, at around £45 million. The total for the UK, just for comparison, was $15 billion, so around about $12 billion sterling. And this year, the $65 million Invest Northern Ireland Crescent Capital Fund was shut down because it couldn't raise private funding. So is that one of the bigger challenges? Is capital still a constraint in Northern Ireland? Yes and no. So first off, if you come, you know, as a start early stage startup going to look for investment, it, the real challenge is finding that investment. The traditional sources of funding, um, or what's the best way of looking at it? The traditional ways that investors would want to re- make money would be through stock markets or would be through property. Traditionally, here in Northern Ireland, we're quite, as investors, we don't want to put our head above the parapet. We don't want to be seen. It's quite uh, private and therefore it can be quite hard to access. Thinking of it from like an angel investor perspective, if we move up into the fund model, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, it has been uh, public sector led traditionally through public funds, which has created a good ecosystem and a good foundation. But that's been a a 15, 20 year plan that is now coming to an end because actually, you know, they're there because there's a market gap and now there's appetite for other people to come into that market and look at private funds. So therefore there's not so much of a need for the public sector funds. And I guess the reasons they're there, they, they plug that gap but they're maybe not the, tradi- the traditional VC model where they're not actually invested themselves. They don't come and look for a, a massive return. They do look for some return. So their model isn't kind of the private model whereby they're engaged, they've got skin in the game. Um, so it's, it's starting to pivot, it's starting to move towards, there's a gap in the market here in Northern Ireland. There's some great companies looking from early stage and later stage funding and can that gap be filled by by private funds that then can actually have skin in the game and, and actually help and not just fund these companies, but add um, value in terms of resources and add value in terms of expertise. Because again, I mentioned earlier, we're a sm- you know, small 
place. We don't have a lot of expertise. We have some fantastic people, but we, we need more of those to try and help our company scale a bit further. So what are, there are challenges there, but I think it's time for change and it's an exciting time. Amazing. I mean, you know, as you were talking there, you talked about those traditional asset classes where you have a fair amount of risk aversion, let's call it. So whether that's, you know, stable assets like housing, slightly more risky assets like equity, although at the moment, who would believe that, you know, publicly traded equities are that risky? They've just been going up for the last gosh knows how many years. I see that quite a bit outside of London. Obviously, I'm based in London. We have a bit of a bubble in the ecosystem here in that we know everyone, everyone knows each other. We know the pricing, we know the valuation sort of mechanisms. We know what funds are active, what funds aren't active which spaces they're in, etc. And all the entrepreneurs know that as well as the VCs and the investors and the angels in the ecosystem. You move outside of London, that starts dissipating a bit. And I think that very strong risk appetite that is required at the very early stages, so as SEIS or EIS potentially investors, is something that I think is an education for a lot of people, which they maybe haven't yet had. And if, you know, you have slightly sort of older people whose pensions maybe rely on their investments and they haven't looked at this, at this asset class, they may struggle to think about putting cash into what effectively are probably going to be loss making businesses for quite some time and, and not necessarily the traditional types of cash flow businesses that they may be used to. So I think to my mind, that sounds like an education piece. It sounds like the more success stories you're able to bring to the table in terms of Northern Irish businesses that have raised funding that have, you know, gone on to be successful, have potentially exited. I think, you know, you'll start seeing those purse strings maybe unlocking as people start seeing the sort of returns that are, are possible. So let's talk about raise. I mean, you've, you kind of touched on it in that last question because, you know, you mentioned the need for more expertise, but why did you and your co-founders decide to set it up? I mean, what, what sort of support do you guys actually offer? So if we look back to maybe 10 years ago, there was some really interesting stuff happening in Northern Ireland. It was one of the first business angel networks were set up by a capitalist here in Belfast, led by Alan Watts. And I remember going to those events early on that had pitching in a room, we had dinner, had six companies, and you would have seen the popular companies would have had a few people standing, standing, talking to them, waiting to give them and write them a check. Um, so there was less startups and, and more potential money available. Alongside that, the, our co-founders, uh, Marty Neal and Matt Johnson, were also running what we call the Start Six Accelerator, which was one of the first accelerators based in Belfast as a pilot, where they got six companies in a room and they just kind of put some mentoring and advice around them. They brought over some really interesting investors from America through the ITLG and that started some really great conversations which helped fund some of those early stage startups and that was a pilot. That pilot informed the accelerator program that local government then kind of put money into and started up called Propel. So Propel was running as an accelerator. Halo was running as the Angel Network. Halo came to the end of its tender and there was an opportunity whereby there was no pitching events in the marketplace. I was still working with startups. My co-founders were still working with startups and we were looking for investment. So we set up the very first raise pitching event, which was a private investment event and got 70 angel investor strokes funds in a room to watch five or six pitch-ups. And that was kind of the start of what we were doing at Raise to fill a gap because, you know, there's only... 
maybe four times a year you could get a chance to pitch to investors. If you don't have that chance, where else can you find them? And and there was a gap in the market. So we ran a couple of those pitching events before we identified that actually the pitching was okay, but it could be better. So why not put a program around these startups and make the best pitching event that we can with the best startups and actually kind of help them on the journey? So that's where the Raise Accelerator came from. The local government accelerator um, is still running, um, but it's coming to potentially a new a new year of a ten year strategy and see see where that goes. So I think kind of there's a change in the market over the last couple of years, but the foundations have been built over the last ten or fifteen years. Um, so we've come in as a privately led, privately funded accelerator. We work with quality, early stage SaaS tech founders to help them build and accelerate their business. And we're actually, depending on their time scale, we spend some time on their business foundations and looking at their business strategy and just, I say, kicking the tires on it to make sure that it, it makes sense. The market opportunities there, the teams there, and the, the techs there. But we actually spend quite a significant amount of time on the investment side of the fence because they say they want to go to raise investment, but under the hood is everything ready. So we get that data room ready. We make sure that when the investors come and kick the tires, they can answer every question that might be a sales question, it might be a finance question, it might be a tech question, um, and we want to make sure that they can round up that investment as quickly as possible without any hurdles. And it is, it's hard work. So we've got two companies going through that at the moment, and it's really interesting that with our help, we've been able to facilitate them along, um, both with our network, with our kind of advisory services. So that's really why we wanted to do it. We wanted to help give startups the best chance um, and it's a long-term game for us. We don't charge for our services, but we take an equity stakeholding. So it's in our interest to make it a success, um, which is why we put so much effort and time into helping these startups and building communities and building networks um, and linking into the funds that you mentioned earlier. So there's a, a wide network of funds that we need to be showcasing these companies to across the UK and knowing what they're looking for and when they're looking for it and saying, right, you know, we talked earlier about Playfair or Fuel Ventures or any of the early stage guys. What are they looking for and how can we dovetail our companies into that as quickly as possible? I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And circling back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of the funding environment in Northern Ireland itself, it, it kind of makes sense that you may even consider looking at a, a fund down the track. Is that on the horizon? Yeah, I think so. You know, we... So if you look at Raise, we're actually a startup. We're living the same journey as our startup. So we have set up a cap table. We have got funding. We've got customers. And we've proven our our validation, our pilots. Can we attract startups to our and ask for 6% equity? Yes, we can. So we've now got a, a deal flow, essentially, of between 10 and 14 companies that we've invested into that are deal flow for potential funds why wouldn't we put a fund alongside that that can easily put money into these companies and accelerate them to the next stage? What that fund looked like, I'm grappling with, there still needs to be some really, really early stage grant funding to build something. I don't know what that is, 25, 50k grants, but there still then needs to be the seed round that whatever it is, 250, 500k round that companies need to then build their team. So there's still two steps in there that are clearly there's a demand for. Could the fund do both? I don't know. Maybe we could dovetail in again beside this new strategy of the government. Government could do some and we could do some. And maybe there's enough room for, for everything in the marketplace. 
That makes a lot of sense. And I think if you can do some sort of partnership whereby the government is providing that risk-free capital right at the earliest stage, and then you're able to come in with risk capital further down the track makes a huge amount of sense, both for you, I guess, as accelerators, both for the region in terms of being able to showcase kind of the entrepreneurial and innovative spirit of the founders and, and, and entrepreneurs out there, as well as obviously for the businesses themselves. So I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Can you talk me through a couple of success stories that have come through Raise? I mean, they may not have exited yet, but presumably there's been a couple of businesses that, that you can, you know, that you're really proud of. It'd be great to understand what sort of businesses they are and what they're doing. Yeah, so one of our local ones that's got some really good tracks at the moment is called Scammatic. So George has a background in working in uh, stock taking and uh, helping retailers put together their data and pull that out as a report to understand what stock they need to buy and what stock they need to put on their shelves. Um, they've actually developed that further from a service into a technical solution. So rather than going in and providing that um, stock saving service, you can actually now rent or lease those self-scanners from Scanmatics, go away, do the stock pick yourself, but they'll still do the reporting and the data collection in the background. And gone from what was a small service business to actually now having an all-island-wide uh, contact with a large you know, retailer with many stores over the last year, that being able to provide that service and scale quite quickly, they still provide the hands-on service, but the self-scan is the one that's going to take this company to the next level. And already kind of working with George over the last year, from his original pitch to being quite technical, to now actually going to the why, why do retailers need this stock and being more commercial. We've had significant feedback from mentors, advisors, customers and investors in that journey of how we've kind of polished those companies. And then from success, then what does success look like? Um, He's had some early stage family and friends round and we're in discussions as to what's next, you know. So, yes, you could bootstrap this, but is there an opportunity to potentially look for larger funding to scale a bit further into the UK? Having two plans on the table is, is really interesting and, and what that looks like. So we're having discussions now about going out and, and raising money in, in next year. So we have some, some good homegrown stories and then we have some, some stories from London. We work with a couple of companies in London with one really interesting fintech led by a lady called Cindy, who's in the space of corporate due diligence and helping corporates share their due diligence when they're going through transactions and making that process really easy rather than every time that you have to do a transaction with a bank or a law firm filling out 20 forms it's all loaded up onto their platform and shared using blockchain technology so therefore once it's shared many times uh, whatever the transaction might be they've got some early stage traction in companies and uh, large financial institutions throughout the UK and into South Africa as well. So, look, there's some really interesting stuff happening. And in terms of the sectors that we help, it's the sectors that aren't that interesting. You know, it's the traditional legacy solutions out there that need disrupted. You know, the finance sectors we all know needs help. Cybersecurity is a big one that's coming. Retail is one that needs a bit of help. And insurance, those would be our top three or four. The one that keeps knocking on our door is recruitment as well. So these are legacy problems that have been traditionally maybe, you know, paper-based or spreadsheet-based, but the next wave of technologies to help those uh, customers deliver faster, cheaper, at a scalable level, those are solutions that interest us. And we can see 
those cohorts actually start to work together and collaborate and then cross-sell and facilitate a better solution for the end customer. So it's really interesting if we focus on a couple of sectors that we can add real value. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it and it probably dovetails back into what is prevalent in Northern Ireland as well, right? So you want to be working in those industries where there is that local expertise on the ground, as you say, and, and the background of those industries, because A, they are customers, they are also potential acquirers, but also, you know, C, they are potentially advocates or people that, you know, you can draw talent or expertise from. And that's one of the questions I also wanted to ask you. As you mentioned earlier, that there's still a little bit of a talent gap in Northern Ireland, potentially in terms of sort of advise you. Where are the places or what are the sort of skill sets that you think are, are lacking overall in the ecosystem? So we've got a really good initiative from, you know, the local government to attract foreign direct investment. And that brings big corporates here. They open up kind of their back end offices and that's kind of mostly technical development, customer service, um, admin services. So we're seeing a huge um, demand for those types of skills. And I think over a period of the next five years, we will have a well-skilled, well-talented workforce in technical development, which is good for the startups out the other side. Um, it's not so good now because the startups are, are looking for technical talent and, and finding it hard to get. But on the other side of the coin, we talked earlier about needing to sell. You know, if you don't have good salespeople and we don't have good marketing people, it's, it's no good building good tech. So we need to, I think we've been talking a lot about this, showcase sales in particular as a worthy career. It doesn't need to be seen as a, dare I say, a car salesman. Like it should be a worthy career whereby you can make a lot of money and we need to put it front and centre of careers for the the next generation is to think about if we can get into a tech company and be part of their commercial team or the business development team we could be making you know quite a bit of money because the traditional when we use the car sales when we we sell a car and we make commission is great but imagine if you can sell a tech product and you can make recurring commission on that i mean that's even better so you can make recurring commission for the next year or two or three years on that one sale so I think that education piece on sales is what we need to focus on and we need to drive talent towards yeah, sales and marketing as well as product development. So look, it's a problem globally, skills in itself, but reskilling, upskilling and putting different career paths in the front of the next generation, I think is what we need to be doing. I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> and as you say, I think it's, it is a global problem. Uh, I think there are pockets geographically where you will see some skills in higher demand, some skills in lower demand. I think understanding commercial, understanding finance, understanding the less sort of sexy parts of startups is is really essential because at the end of the day, without those sort of skills and individuals in those businesses, you can't have a business. You know, not everyone can be a developer, not everyone needs to be a developer. And equally, you know, you can have a product, but if you can't sell it, then <laughs> then there's no point building the product. So talking about, you know, you talked about the sort of sectors that you're focused on in terms of fintech and insure tech. Uh, you know, you talked about the blockchain business in, in the diligence space and retail. What else do you look for in the ventures that you accelerate? Are there specific traits within the founding team, within the stage, within the sector, within the technology, or, or are you fairly agnostic? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it needs to have a good team and a good market opportunity. So, you know, if we had to look at our customer persona, it, we would love to support more young entrepreneurs. But what we actually do see is slightly older entrepreneurs, maybe 35 to 40 plus that have a bit of industry experience. And the reason we like 
those particular demographics is because they have a knowledge of the industry and they actually probably have a network that once they build something that they can then go and sell to and um, we can facilitate the younger entrepreneurs absolutely by adding in our network of corporates in terms of being the first to market customers and um, but if you already have a, a black book in your back pocket that can help accelerate those guess you know demographics you know we have to talk about diversity we're open to you know doesn't matter what the team is doesn't matter where they come from i think as long as they have the drive and the vision to deliver on the solution that they want to sell then we'll be happy to work with them we've got quite a good diversity outlook in terms of male female founders and also from different demographics and ethnic backgrounds so i think you know that proves that we're not pigeonholed that we work with the best team with the best opportunity and I think what we're looking for is really good quality because we can only work with a small number of founders at a time so we do a lot of work on that vision piece early on are you ready to go on this 10-year journey because it could be a 10-year journey and it's going to be hard and if you were asked you know in five or ten years time to stand up and talk about your company what does that look like and getting them to think of that journey um, early on and are they ready to go on that um, really kind of shows that they're gives us the proof point for us if the and then you know further down the road looking at how they're going to build their team how they're going to sell their solution as a ceo and um, if they don't have those skills thinking about upskilling them or build, bringing in the right advisors and the right team around them to fill those gaps because quite quickly you realize as a ceo you can't do everything so i think they need to be we look for founders that are open to you know not necessarily co-founders but open to building a team around them fairly quickly i think that's really essential yeah i talked about this recently with someone i guess in two ways so it's it's coachability it's ability to or the willingness to learn the willingness to listen to people around you that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do what they say it just means that you are open to what they are telling you and and use factor that into your planning rather than sort of rejecting it outright and and to your point you know solo founding is hard as a solo founder myself it is not the easy easiest journey to go down but i'm fortunate enough to have been around the houses a fair amount at this stage of my life so i'm more comfortable maybe than others are and i know very explicitly where my strengths lie and where my weaknesses are and you know rather than trying to solve for my weaknesses i have other people solve for them so just as we wrap up jenny because it's been it's been incredible kind of understanding more about rays and and about the ecosystem what are your views on the future of the early stage ecosystem in northern ireland where do you think you're heading yeah i mean the same question to the founders that we ask you can ask us where do we see rays in northern ireland in five years time i would love to see um, some exited entrepreneurs walking through our door and wanting to help some of our startups that would be the, the ideal you know because people who've been there and done it can really accelerate our startups to the next stage i would also love to see more angel investors walking through our door we've already got some but you know they need to be coming and looking for the opportunities and finding the good qualities that that match with them so the early stage ecosystem in five years time i think is going to look a lot different we're going to have some good news stories. We're going to have excellent entrepreneurs. We're going to have a great talent pool that hopefully maybe people joining these um, larger corporates will spin out of with ideas and create even more new startup ideas. Um, so I think it's only going to get better. And I think alongside that, there's going to be more opportunity for 
funds to be part of this kind of create you know the next ecosystem you know we look a lot at eastern europe and see some of the challenges that, that, that they've been through you know over estonia for example would be one that we would kind of mirror and some of the things that, that they're doing we can see happening here in belfast so you know troubled territories coming out with new resilience and new ideas and nothing holding them back creates a great ecosystem i think and uh, that's gonna be one to watch Resilience is definitely one of the traits that every founder, every entrepreneur needs. So I think that's an amazingly optimistic and uh, fundamentally true way to end this podcast. Jenny, thank you so much for joining me here today. Where can our listeners find you? Are you on LinkedIn, on Twitter or elsewhere? Yes, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Danny Irvine, and you can check out uh, Raise Ventures across www.raise-ventures.com and across all the social media channels. So check us out. Our accelerator program is open for applications for the spring and we're looking for the next best, uh, not unicorn, but success story. Amazing. Jenny, thank you so much. Really appreciate you taking the time to speak to me today. Thanks for listening to Nothing Ventured, an Emerge One production. We'd love to get your feedback and thoughts on our conversations, as well as topics or guests you'd love to hear from. Drop me a line on social media or via one of the links in the show notes. I mean, what have you got to lose, right?